Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we're taking an in-depth look at a dominant theme that's playing in markets around the world right now. I'm Robert Miller. And that topic is oil, once upon a time known as black gold. Nowadays, of course, the price of a barrel is descending rapidly. I'm joined by Robin Pagnamenta, the energy editor of The Times, and Marcus LaRue, our industrial correspondent. Warm welcome to you both and thanks for being here. Robin, let's start with you. The price of oil under severe downward pressure. Why right now? Well, what we're really looking at is a, a, a glut in supply. And this has been going on for um, about a year now. Uh, a year ago, the Saudis decided that they would not curb production and they would instead keep the pumps uh, on, on full blast, essentially. There are a number of reasons why they did this, uh, but the, the, the sort of dominant theme that people talk about is uh, an effort to put pressure on higher-cost producers, particularly in North America, uh, in the shale gas industry. Their, their goal essentially you know is to is to make life difficult for 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 those guys uh, but it's taking a very long time uh, perhaps longer than they had expected and this week we saw uh, new evidence of a growing glut in supply particularly in america there doesn't seem to be any any immediate end in sight to this and uh, there's no opec meeting scheduled until the end of the year so at the moment the market feels very bearish it looks as if the price is going to fall further and i suppose that the key difference this time, Robin, is that with US shale production being a, a, a relatively new phenomenon on this kind of scale, that it has a very different kind of dynamic than, than conventional oil and that it's a little bit more like an industrial process that can be switched on and off. So one of the concerns for the Saudis must be that you can deter a certain amount of US production in the short term but it's quite difficult to make sure it doesn't come back subsequently. And the, the other dynamic is that, you know, production seems to be up, you know, in, in almost everywhere. I mean, the, you know, it, it's not just the Saudis, but um, in Iraq uh, and, and potentially now in, in Iran, um, you know, there are, there are uh, fresh uh, supplies of oil coming onto the market, which, you know, would, would suggest that, you know, things are going to remain very depressed. The sort of levels that between, as you mentioned, the Saudis and, and the United States, particularly the shale gas producers. At the end of the day, yes, there are fewer rigs coming on, but they do seem to be coming back. So, as you say, this is likely to come back sooner rather than later, isn't it? This, If you like this war of attrition, who can flood the market most? My sense is that it's going to take a while uh, for the market to balance out. You know, the, the real uh, key will be that these, you know, many of the big oil companies, BP, Shell, Exxon, have been cancelling and delaying, you know, these, these mega projects, uh, sort of multi-billion dollar projects around the world. 
uh, but it will take time for that to have an impact on the market. Uh, absolutely, and I think that's the the, the fascinating uh, the fascinating issue here. And uh, at the moment, the difference, the the tension between the the, the short term dynamics and the the longer term dynamics. You're seeing anything remotely adventurous, you know, the kind of the the, the deeper water stuff, the arc the Arctic stuff, the new regions, the thing, um, projects that aren't near pipelines getting kicked into the long grass. But at the, at the moment, as you alluded to, Robert, you're still seeing U.S. shale production actually rise, despite the fact that the the, the number of rigs working in the states has has more than halved. Um, production still rising because they're getting so much more efficient, and it's the the, the 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 most efficient producers that are that are putting their foot down and um, and operating profitably. And it's the the stuff around the edges who are a little bit more marginal that are that are packing up and going home because oil uh, because the price of oil's halved. Looking, Robin, particularly this, the Saudis, this hasn't been without a cost to, to, to Saudi Arabia, has it really? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, the Saudis have been burning through their foreign reserves at an unprecedented rate, about $2 billion a week. Uh, but they remain extremely strong financially. I think their uh, reserves still stand at well over $600 billion. It's the smaller OPEC producers who are really hurting, you know, Venezuela, Nigeria, uh, Algeria, which uh, derives 97% of its export revenues from oil and gas. These are the the, uh, the exporters who are really feeling the pain. The Saudis can cope at least for another year, possibly two years. Uh, but yes, it is hurting them. Uh, it's hurting their economy. And, and it's, it's, you know, Saudi Arabia is a country which has 200,000 young people entering the jobs market every year. So there are big social pressures in Saudi Arabia as well, mm. uh, which, uh, you know, which are worth bearing in mind. And from the Saudi perspective, it's fascinating as well that, that Robin, as you said, they're burning through their reserves that they've built up. The break-even from a, point, from, from a, from a business perspective is, is well south of where we are today. Their cost of production is less than you know, $5 a barrel minute. But the break-even point of view, from a budgetary point of view, is north of of hundred dollars. Which brings me to the point of levels. Then, I mean, we we're looking sort of mid forties at the moment. People have given estimates on both sides. I mean, Marcus, you first of all, what sort of level do you think it might go to in the current climate? If I if I could answer that uh, convincingly, I probably wouldn't be sitting sitting here. I think that I. I can't see it going much there's so much pessimism priced in i can't see it getting much lower than than the mid 40s um and wti possibly will will slip into the the the, the, the 30s but the, the, the that, lighter west texas yeah, of course yeah. yeah lighter sweeter crude robin where do you see it going i think any oil man will tell you that uh, trying to predict the oil price is a very dangerous game so i don't think i'll, I'll get into a precise predictions but i do think uh, my my gut feeling is that uh, we're in for another uh, at least a year of of you know of depressed prices um, at around current levels or possibly lower, um, and it will take that long before these big project cancellations from the big international oil companies kick in. And at that point, you know, we may see uh, a change in in sort of market sentiment. But I think it's it, it's going to be a while yet. Is it a lot of the pain that will be shared, British companies, British contractors here, I'm thinking of Weir Group and others, is that going to be offset by consumer joy at lower prices at the pumps, do you think? I mean, are we going to see the full benefit of this, basically, or is it just not going to happen, Robin? Uh, we, we are already enjoying some benefits, but, uh, you know, we need to, you need, when you're in the petrol station forecourt, you need to bear in mind that the, the, uh, the fuel that you're filling your car with has not been 
uh, purchased at the the wholesale prices right as we speak. So it will take a a few weeks or months, you know, for people to see uh, further benefits. But in the UK, unfortunately, we uh, we live in a, a country where uh, taxes are very high on on fuel. Uh, there are very few countries in the world where uh, fuel taxes are higher. In fact, uh, so the com- the the tax component of uh, the amount you pay for at the pump, uh, you know, is very high. So, so you won't feel as much of a benefit as you would in in some other countries like the US, for example. But of course, there's a net ex- importer of oil. It's a good thing for for the UK, but I doubt you'll get many people ascribing to that point of view in Aberdeen, nor any pensioners who are reliant on BP or Shell dividends. I, looking at that, talking about our own, you mentioned their net importers, North Sea Oil. Have we really run out to the point where it's it's going to make a significant difference to our economy now? Is it playing so little part or is it still very much an important part, both from exploration or extraction and indeed investment? I think it's 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 certainly a watershed couple of years for for the North Sea. Few other regions have had to make this transition from being a major player to then being a, a kind of mature legacy oil field uh, or oil producing region. You've seen the governments trying to lower the, the, the tax take. You have recommendations from Sir, Sir Ian Wood a couple of years ago about sharing infrastructure and things to try to make it more efficient in the kind of, um, as, as it reaches its, its, its ripe old age. But in the meantime, you have you have industrial unrest and, and um, other other factors that are making it still less competitive. And it's the most expensive oil in the world, cost terms. Um, I mean, the you know, the, the problem that the North Sea faces um, is that it's actually been in trouble for quite a long time. Uh, this is, to, in, to, to the minds of, you know, the, the big international oil companies, this is no longer an exciting place to explore for oil. Uh, the costs are high, uh, the reserves are being depleted fast, and a lot of the infrastructure that was put in in the 70s and 80s is now reaching the end of its life, is costing a lot to maintain. So the plunging price of oil has simply made uh, the North Sea, the economics of producing oil in the North Sea, you know, even less compelling when they were already uh, questionable. So it's going to be a very difficult period, I think, for the industry over the next year if, if prices remain where they are. And I think if it carries on, you certainly we'll see industrial action. Ultimately, you know, we may have to see more kind of radical action or, you know, government intervention of some kind to help find a new way to make it a viable industry. Cause well, it brings us to the point, doesn't it, of fracking. Is, is fracking going to be that viable alternative? Is it going to now get a lot of government momentum behind it, do you think, to, to accelerate the process? Um, I think fracking obviously has a lot of government support. You know, it's seen as potentially a, a new industry for the UK. Uh, but the the economic reality is is simple. Against a background of you know forty five dollar oil, uh, it's not a compelling proposition. Uh, many of these companies are interested because there are uh, supposed to be large deposits of you know shale gas in the UK. But I think we're going to uh, it's going to be difficult to make the economics work at these prices. And also, the UK is inherently unsuitable for uh, hydraulic fracturing. It's a it's a very intensive industrial process. It involves drilling hundreds, thousands of wells to sustain production. That's going to be very difficult in a country with very high population density and very strict planning rules. 
ab- absolutely and and where landowners don't have skin in the game like they do in the states they don't own the hydrocarbons the, the oil and gas beneath their their uh, their property which means that their incentives for playing ball need to be synthetically created and i think that's where the industry will have to move towards it'll have to to, to share the spoils in a way that's that's much more generous to win to win hearts and minds i think looking at these companies or this sector if you like energy and the broader base miners as an investment play robin you first i mean people have traditionally you mentioned both of you about the the income potential from these various companies i mean energy companies versus the broader based miners a bigger play on commodities first of all what's the case for energy companies and are there any you particularly think that have got it right at the moment I think it's a it's a dangerous time to be investing in the energy industry, but uh, there is a school of thought that you know these th- this is an opportunity um, that that you know these commodity prices will rebound at some point, and you know valuations will increase. My gut feeling is that we've got quite a bit further to 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 run before uh, and before you know that becomes a compelling proposition. But I'm sure that there are certainly um, a lot of people who are taking a closer interest now. I mean, particularly some of these you know. You know, there are a lot of smaller producers who are really f- feeling the pinch and are really in trouble. And I'm sure that we'll probably start to see more kind of deal activity pick up over the next few months. Marcus? I, I think that's absolutely right, that that at some point the economics will will improve. But I think investors have quite a while to wait before that particular train leaves town. There are a lot of explorers out there that... that are valued at about the same or even at a discount of the cash they have in the bank account. The market isn't putting any value on on exploration success at the moment. At some point it will, and there are bound to be good, uh, good, good picks out there. On the other side, on the super major side, because BP has had this huge, has had the Gulf of Mexico issue that basically put a put a stumbling block on its uh, or a hurdle on its its uh, developing big projects. It has an enormous amount of of barrels in reserve. That haven't been um, that that hasn't pushed the button on yet. That is still that are still awaiting a final investment decision. So at some point, you would expect further down the line that to to, to represent value either through disposals or or. And of course, it's got exposure to Russia if and when those problems ever get mm, resolved there. Right. Well, thanks to you both there, and that's just about it for now. But remember, you can keep up to date with all the articles and blogs from Robin and Marcus there and the other financial news on the Pop-Up Business Now live blog and in the newspaper on our website. And if you are a Time subscriber, you can sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails. That's for everything you need to know wherever you are. And if you don't have a subscription, there's a special £1 offer still available. You'll find that by going to thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Robin Pagnamenta and Marcus LaRue. They're all on Twitter, as indeed so am I. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk.